thank you, Jesus, that we all, when we belong to you, that we've been given the spirit of the gospel by which we can say, Abba, Father, thank you that you love us, that you've chosen us from the foundation of the earth. And Lord, we just honor you today. God, thank you that our vision, our mission is the same, that we advance the gospel. We pray for President-elect Trump. We pray for people that are around them, like Tim. We pray for the administration that will be put in place. Lord, we continue to pray for President Obama, his family, the administration that will be going out. Lord, we pray for wisdom and grace over all of it. And Lord, we as a church, we will purpose ourselves to fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus Lord, advancing the gospel, loving our neighbors. And Lord Jesus, that you would help our hearts. God, I pray for the division that's in our nation. It's very obvious. God, I pray for peace over our land. I pray, God, for Lord, just your grace over people that maybe didn't vote for him. And that your grace would just begin to sweep over our land. And that your presence that everyone would begin to fix their eyes on you. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts as we begin this new spirit of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. So what does it mean to be a follower and disciple of Jesus? And we're going to be talking about that. What, what is the call of Jesus to be a disciple? What is the cost of what it means to be a disciple? We're going to unpack some of these thoughts and ideas over the next few weeks. Um, I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to give you a little idea of why I'm doing this, why we're kind of talking about it at this time. Um, discipleship has been something that's been on my heart for some time. Uh, we as leaders, specifically Barry and Gary and myself, have been talking about this idea for some time. Uh, we brought Dave Deering in, the two of you guys that were here when he was here. Um, Dave Deering uh, has a, a, a long relationship history with Barry and Heidi, going back to Wyland, their days in Wyland. And, and God called him to start this ministry of coming alongside church. He's been helping them in the strategy of what it means to make disciples. And so um, we thought that this was a natural relationship that Barry had with him, and so we brought him in. Um, and over the last few years, uh, and, and I think it goes back about 10 years, he, he, he was a part of the team that wrote a, a manual called A Discipleship Journey. And this is just simply a tool that I love about Dave, and if you get to hear his heart, he's a, he's a very humble guy. He said, I'm not saying my tool is the end-all tool. In fact, he, he was just at a conference where there was other people talking about how the church can begin to uh, do this thing called discipleship that we're told in Scripture. And so he just said, I, I wrote a tool. It said, and it let, let it serve your church how it can. So we're, we're going to be using this tool called a discipleship journey here in our church. Um, and what we did over the last year, some of um, some of our folks, here's some leadership folks, we grabbed a few people, and what we decided to do, we were going to do this guinea pig year, and to see, is it something that we can use, is it, is it valuable, is it something that we feel like would, would fit here? And so we had some, some folks go through it. And so uh, today I'm going to have Pat Spence, and he's going to go ahead and come up, and, uh, and, and he's going to share with you kind of what... Um, the impact was in going through scientific journey as we look at this tool and then over the next couple weeks we have some other folks here as well. In the beginning, God. That's it. God. There was none of this. It 
was no earth, there was no solar system, there was no galaxy, there was no universe. It was God. Think about that. It's hard to wrap your mind around that. Then we spoke. And all this was created. You were created for God's pleasure and for a purpose. And that purpose is to have a relationship with Him, to get to know Him. That's amazing. A year ago, last November, we started this discipleship journey. I was in a very different place back then. You know, I had a lot of head knowledge. I knew all that stuff, but I just shared with you. But now it's much more than just up here. It's in here. And my life is totally different. I decided early on that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to go through the sections. It's a great tool, this manual that we have called the Discipleship Experiment. And I take the time, go through it, I look at the person. I mean, Barry told us at the beginning, you're going to get out of it what you put into it, and that's the truth. And it's amazing. So we started with, who is God? And maybe in December of last year, God really revealed himself to me. As Creator God, I mean, He holds the universe to His hand. We don't even know how big that is. Actually, it doesn't matter in His hand. It's in the palm of His hand. He measures it with a special bit Wow. God's big. But He's bigger in other ways. There's so many facets of it. It's like looking at a diamond. And you turn the diamond and you see another thing you didn't see before. And it's always changing. But it, it's, it's been a wonderful journey. And it, yeah, we finished the manual now, but it's a daily process. Paul says, work out his salvation daily. And, and we covered who's God, church history, um, Prayer. I mean, if you're going to know someone, you need to talk to them, right? That's called prayer. And I, I know there's probably a lot of you groaning for right now, but it's real. It's true. And, you know, I got a Bible degree, and a lot of you probably didn't know that. So I know a lot of fear, but until I started through on this journey, you know, now I've got a whole new dimension. And I'm getting to know God daily. I know Him a lot better now than I did a year ago. I've got new hope. And I would encourage you to make that commitment and get in one of these discipleship groups and it'll change your life.
So this tool we're going to be using here, um, we'll talk more about that. What I want to talk about today and over the next few weeks um, is this call to disciple. We hear this word being a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Um, but again, the tool is the foundational, biblical building blocks of following Jesus. Um, and and it, again, it's knowing God, how to hear God, how to pray, uh, such as the cross, sin, and repentance, those kind of foundational building blocks. Um, and again, that's why we, we, we brought Dave here, because what we were doing as leaders, we identified that, that there's a deficiency in the church in this thing called discipleship. Not just our church, but this is a church-wide issue. It's not just us, but there's a lot of pastors, there's a lot of church leaders that have been talking about this, of, of how do we make disciples, how do we obey this great commission. And so we've had a lot of discussions about this over the last couple of years, what's it going to look like, how do we do that here. And so it's been on our hearts for some time. And so we identified, the, the thing that we identified is this thing, the lack of true biblical discipleship. And that's what has led to so many people faltering, falling away. Young people, we, we hear it over and over, that they go off to college and they have a major crisis of faith. Um, if you listen to Robbie Zacharias, anybody listen to Robbie Zacharias, if you ever want good Christian apologetics, he's a great guy to listen to. And he was sharing this past week and I kept him on the radio at a brief time and uh, he, was, he was talking about there's actually a young gal that works for their ministry. She actually goes around and speaks to Christian apologetics and she tells the story that when she went to college there was a philosophy professor that were, was challenging religion. I mean, he was just challenging anybody that would be in religion and, and, uh, and she it had really nothing to do with like the civil rights and what they were going to study. And she raised her hand. She said, "You know, this this is not really educating us. It sounds like that you're trying to indoctrinate us." And he says, "No, let me tell you something." He said, "The 18 years that you were in your mom and dad's home, that was indoctrination. Now we're going to educate that out of you." Of course, then she works with Robbie on the right, and just kind of made her go, "No, you're not." He said, "She's a real brilliant mom." And he shared that story about. The battle that ensues, um, uh, uh, not just young people, but every day what we're faced with, and, and, and this idea of cultural mindset, the philosophies of man, humanism, secularism, all of these things that cause people to have this inner turmoil, and also other things that relate to things that why people leave churches. And we've heard we talk about that before, like you know, sometimes. Silly things. I read that one time a long time ago when I was doing I am a church member that people would, you know, leave the church over like that they were going to remove a chandelier from the church and people left because they were upset. And we all know that has nothing to do with the chandelier. There's, there's something broken down there. And, and, and I think the, the, the biggest thing that we are identifying and church leaders are identifying is this thing that we have a lack of true biblical discipleship. I'm going to read something to Jack Hayford. Many of you know Jack Hayford. He's a 
I would consider him a father in the faith he's been. Still prospering, I think he's in his living seventies. He's pastor in California. He's been a just a great boy, a man of integrity. Most of you guys are familiar with his uh, ministry. If you're not, he's just a wonderful pastor. Written some books. In 2010, the Christian magazine that got, I think they several different things. I remember how exactly how many it was, it was, but they got some Christian leaders to say, um, what do you see God doing over the next 10 years? So 2010, so this would be six years ago. Isn't that weird that you say six years ago is 2010? Anybody else go, whoa. Um, but they called it Vision 2020, for the play on, you know, a clear vision of what you thought like the Lord is saying to the church in 2015-2020. Here's an excerpt of what he said. I want you to hear this. He said, already those alert to the Holy Spirit's work in today's church are beginning to renew our call to make disciples. Discipleship has been short-circuited by everything from casual preaching, i.e. easy altar calls to have too long manifested active expectations of full surrender and incisive commitment to Jesus, to convenience-oriented sermonizing that tickles the ears, to preoccupied with personal fulfillment more than service and prosperity more than sacrifice, to counting a self-centered spirituality that knows little of our call to die to self, take up your cross, and follow Jesus, and to resist the fleshly escape of notions that test the fabric of true faith. But in the face of deception, I see a huge number of believers breaking into dimensions of the death of life and witness and reveal a Philippian life shining with lights in the world, manifesting a compassion and power that will garner an overwhelming harvest no matter how great the paganized darkness or how deep the water is Isn't that good? Ten years, or six years ago, we talked about the next, because it needs to be a move toward biblical, true biblical structure. What does it mean? to make disciples. That was the intention of Jesus and how it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a lifestyle, not a difficult system. And so over the years, and I think in this modern church, that has changed. Uh, but, uh, but the intention of Jesus hasn't changed. We have changed. And so I think that the world wants us to get back to really saying, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Uh, what does discipleship actually mean? That's what we're going to be talking about and the importance of why we're talking about it. Because what we feel like is discipleship is going to be foundational to the DNA of this church. We're going to make it a foundational building block of this church to be a disciple-making church. Again, talking about what that means. We're moving toward it with purpose and intentionality because Jesus commissioned his followers before he left to go to heaven to go and make disciples. And so, again, over the next few weeks, what does it mean? What does it involve? How do we do it? A few years ago, I was having a conversation with a uh, pastor friend of mine. And we were talking about this idea of the Great Commission. And again, we, we throw that around. We go there for and make disciples of all nations. And a lot of us can just recite that and we can say it very quickly. And so he and I were having this discussion and, and about this Great Commission that Jesus gave. What does that mean? What does it look like? And then he says this. He says, who discipled you? Like from a biblical mindset, and, 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 and you know, maybe I ask you that question, and there might be people that have come alongside you, but in the true 
mindset of biblical discipleship, we can't really think of anyone, and I couldn't think of anyone. He said, who discipled you? Like when you were a young man, like in, in college, and you were feeling that pull to ministry, and who discipled you? And, and it was just it was boggling to my mind that I could not think of anyone. But that doesn't mean that I didn't have discipleship moments or seasons. But a lot of it was on my own. I did have instrumental people in my life at times. You know, that would maybe speak into my life. And I, you know, I remember at our church in Florida, I have a, a, a dear friend of mine named Ozzy. Some of you guys met him many years ago when he was here. But this is a guy that poured into my life for a season. And I would say that that was somewhat, somewhat like discipleship. But in all of it, it was, I don't think it was true biblical discipleship of what Jesus was inviting his followers to. And so our key text for the series will be in Matthew 28, the call of the Great Commission. And we call it the Great Commission, but I want you to look at something. What, what the word commission means, all right? So the Great Commission, we're going to look at that verse in a moment. The commission is an authoritative order, charge, or direction. Okay? An authoritative order, charge, or direction. So Jesus in Matthew 28, he gives his order, his charge, and his direction to all of his followers. It wasn't just for those guys that were there or the people that were there. Because he said, I want you to go make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. The thing was supposed to have a ripple effect to it. And they understood what he talked about. And so it's an authoritative order. You notice that we don't call it the great suggestion, the great idea. He didn't say, hey, you know, gather around, guys. You know, if you'd like to, I mean, this is totally up to you. This is totally up to you. If you, if you don't feel like I understand, that's cool. But if you'd like to, I'd like for you to go out and make uh, disciples. It's not the great suggestion. It's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission, the authoritative order. And so, with this, I want to talk about the context for a moment. Alright, so this moment in Matthew 28, also parallel Acts chapter 1, this is Jesus, you know, he died, he rose from the dead, and he's appearing to his followers for a period of time. And so, Acts 1-8 is the last thing he says to them. This is the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Acts 1-8 is the last thing he says to them before he leaves and he ascends back to the Father. Okay? So, I want to look at Acts chapter 1 in context of what's going on. Because what, he, what he's been saying is that the promise is that it will be filled with the Spirit and it's tied to the Great Commission. So, control the Lord's life. Yeah! We've got a new internet set up, so it's great. Thank you, Andrew. Here's Acts chapter 1. So then they, the followers of the time, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This is what they're asking. They're kind of interested about end times already. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has got by his own authority, but you will receive power. So he's given them the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's told them to go into that upper room. And we see that happen in Acts, Acts 2. But he says, you will see the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
for what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay? And so he's telling you this is parallel with the Great Commission of Matthew 28. It's the last thing he keeps telling them you're going to receive power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so what did he say? Keep your hearts set on the mission and I called to you. I love that he's kind of corrects them because he said that they said, is this the time you're going to you know just seeing him in his glory? Is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he's saying, keep your eyes on what I told you to keep your eyes on. You know, in times it's important to know, study, be aware of, but don't let that be primary. We should study it. We should understand the times and seasons. But discipleship is the call. Discipleship is your vision. Discipleship is the mission of being my witnesses of Jesus to the world. So the gospel of Jesus is primary. Because they're asking, oh, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says, it's not time. You don't need to know that right now. So then we go, when's Jesus going to return? And we can get all kind of worked up and we can see, you know, this end times, that end times book, this end times, we can hear that. And it's okay to listen to that stuff, but we can sometimes get our eyes so thick on what might happen or not happen that we miss out on the missional part of what Jesus is to make disciples. So let's go to Matthew 28. So here's what Jesus says in context with Acts 1. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Surely I will with you always to the very end of the age. So we're going to break this down. You've heard this passage a lot. But we're going to break it down. And my heart is that we hear it with new ears, but we hear it through the power of the Holy Spirit of what Jesus is saying to us, what it means to us to be a disciple. First of all, he says, I have all authority. All authority has been given to me. Did he say some authority? Most of the authority? Jesus said, I have all authority has been given to me. So we need to pause right there as we hearing the great commission of Jesus Christ to you and me. This is his commission, not just to them. This is his commission to us. An authoritative directive or charge. Okay, the word commission has military implications, right? Where if people have served their military, I've served their military. When a commander tells you to do something and they give you an, uh, an authoritative charge, you don't sit there and say, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Now, if it would go against, if it was a sinful issue or whatever it may be, I'm not talking about that, but when they said do this, you don't say, can I ask you 15 questions first? I don't think, you know, that... That doesn't bode well with me. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. No, you do it. So this is an authoritative. Jesus has all authority. And he's given this permission. Yes. That means Jesus is in complete control. We talked about his sovereignty when we were in the attributes. He has complete control, and his kingdom is the one and only everlasting kingdom. There are no other kingdoms. Jesus' kingdom is the only kingdom. And it's interesting that he gives he says, all authority has been given to him. You know how he received all the authority? His resurrection from the dead confirmed everything that was said about him in truth. Right? That he is eternal truth. Because if he would have just died and didn't rise again, Paul said that it would have negated everything that he said. 
But since we have the resurrection from the dead, and he appeared to many, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, he appeared to a lot of his followers. Again, he's here before he ascends to his father, telling us to the resurrection from the dead, because I have authority over death, I have authority over hell, the grave, I have authority over everything. My kingdom is the everlasting kingdom. <laughs> he has all authority. He's the eternal truth. He himself is the truth. <clears throat> so everything he did went through prophecies fulfilled about him leads to this moment of declaring, I have also all authority to be Then he says, Therefore, therefore, or since. And that word, therefore, is based on the previous statement that I have all authority. I'm getting ready to tell you what you need to do. I'm going to commission you. So he's commissioned out of his authority. Right? He's commissioned us. He's given an authoritative charge and direction out of his authority to go and make disciples of all nations. Since I have all authority, here's what I'm telling you. Here's my mission. Here's my calling to each one of you go and make disciples of all nations. It's called the discipleship is for everyone, not just the select few. And so the call and commission of discipleship was, first of all, to be. To be a disciple. I want to be a disciple. Then it was to go and make, right? So be, go, and make. Be one yourself, then go and make others. But then them, when, when you are discipling somebody, come alongside them, they, be, uh, they become a disciple, then they go and make. The thing that most to proliferate. So it's a calling to be and a calling to go and make. It is a continual day to day calling for all of us to be a disciple follower of Jesus and then go make disciples for Jesus. So let me pause here. What a disciple is it? So we're, we're talking about what a disciple is. What a disciple is it? A disciple of Jesus isn't someone who just prays a prayer of salvation. That's, that's not defined in Scripture. If you look at Scripture, that's not what it means to be a disciple. Many have confused their initial response. Maybe they're convicted and there is that kind of beginning point of saying, I, I want to take myself and repent and turn to Christ, right? There's that mindset of turning to Christ. And there's, there's that initial thing that we do. Except in the Bible, you can't find altar calls. Not that those are bad. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying those are a bad thing. There can be a beginning point, but a disciple of Jesus isn't just someone who prays a prayer. Jesus, come into my heart, now I'm good. Right? There can be that beginning point, surrendering, saying yes to Christ, but that isn't the end. That's the beginning of the story. It's the beginning of a lifelong journey. Discipleship isn't a series of emotional experiences that you chase. Sensationalism or conference chasing or going from this thing to that thing, those meetings, this book, those aren't bad. I, I, I go to conference and most of the time I go, go to one every year and we can be encouraged, we can be poured into. Those aren't bad, but we can't just say those are discipleship or biblical discipleship. Those things can be encouraging to us, but what has happened in the church is we have 
Again, we've forsaken biblical detection what it means to be a follower of Jesus with lifelong commitment. And then, if we're not going to do that, what we begin to do is we default to sensationalism, those other things, and we might call it discipleship. Because there's a lot of people that might be a Christian and go, well, yeah, I'm a disciple. And I wouldn't say that. Or you that, yeah, sure, I'm a disciple. I love Jesus. And I'm a biblical discipleship, a lifelong journey of going you know, of walking with Christ with others. So we need to look at this in a new way. Again, not, you have to understand what I'm saying. None of those things are bad enough themselves, but we have defaulted to those and call them disciples. Discipleship is an invitation to a long journey of following Jesus with others. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Then he goes on to say, Here's the, I want you to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is why his baptism in, in Christianity is huge. It's a command of Jesus. He said, Better make disciples, baptizing them. It is a commandment for us as believers, but it is, a, again, it's a symbolic beginning point of the journey. It is saying that I recognize my sin, my need for Jesus, and I'm making a public declaration of my intent to follow Jesus. And I'm identifying with his death, right? We, baptism is overwhelmed, completely immersed. That's why we, we dunk you. We don't hold you under. We dunk you, and then we pull you out. We're identifying with the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. I'm dead to my old self, and I'm raised to Christ in new life. Baptism. It's a beginning point. It's a public declaration. It's a symbol. Many people said it's like a wedding ring. It's just saying this 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 ring doesn't make me married. It's a symbol of my marriage. And baptism is that. And so that's why we would say if you look at what baptism is, baptism doesn't save you. Baptism isn't what it means to be a disciple. It's a beginning point. But then the idea of discipleship, walking with Christ in a lifelong journey is what it is about. Salvation is walked out through the day-to-day following Jesus. And then he says the most important thing I think that we, we, we need to hear. So therefore, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Anybody else ever missed that from the Great Commission? When somebody says, what's the great commission? We go, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in there for make disciples of all of baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we first talked to Dave on the phone, he keyed in on this. He said, this is the component that has always been missing. It's teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And I'm like, I have done that before. And even quoting that scripture, I have said, the great commission is, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In sentence, if you know, Jesus said this, yes, do that, but teach them to obey. This is the part where it is worked out. This is the most important phrase of the Great Commission, of what it means to be a disciple, a follower. And so, as disciples follow for Jesus, we are to teach people to obey Jesus in everything he commanded. 
And that's the sign. That's, that's the sign that someone is a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Are they obeying the commands of Jesus? Are they beginning to walk in it? Doesn't mean that they're doing it perfectly. Doesn't mean that they don't stumble and fall. But they are humbling themselves, saying, I am walking in a relationship with Christ with other people around me to obey everything that Jesus told us to do. Obeying Him. A lot of times what happens is we, it, we, we teach them to obey us or we try to give them information and, or obey others. Or, but what do you think? He said, we, he said to obey Him. Where do we find out where we are to obey? What are we to obey? That's where we find it in Scripture. That's why we have the Word of God. So how do we teach others to obey? What are we what are we calling people to? This idea of saying, our disciples, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to teach you to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's what it says. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and actions of the heart. It is like the Supreme Court for our lives. See, a lot of times what happens is we, we put ourselves over the Bible. It's not like we're anti-Bible, but if it works for me until I put myself in authority over Scripture, so my authority trumps Scripture. The problem is the Bible needs to be here. It needs to be over us, not us over it. That's why the Word of God is alive and active. It divides soul and spirit. Paul says to Timothy, all Scripture is what God brings. It's God breathed. It's useful for what? Teaching. There you go, right? We're teaching them to obey Jesus, right? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training and righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's how we know how to follow Jesus and do what He called us to do. The Scripture, the Bible, we need to be in it and have it in our hearts. And then Paul says this in the presence of God and Christ, I, I, I said this when talking about. God being judged, but of, of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and then you of his appearing in the kingdom, I give you this charge. So here's Paul giving Timothy a charge, preach the word, be prepared in peace out to the correct rebuke and courage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not be put up with doubting doctrine. Where do we get some doctrine? The scripture. Instead, to suit their own desires, what? They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. In other words, we have to be very careful. We might have preachers that we like, books that we like, or whatever, but everything has to be tested by the Word of God. Always. The Word of God is God. It's God breathed. It is our direction for life. It is how we teach people to obey. It's how we learn to obey what Christ commanded. So we find out how to obey and be a follower through the Scripture. Not someone's interpretation of Scripture. Not Scripture that I like and then I reject Scripture that I don't like. It teaches us how to obey Jesus in everyday life. To live. To love. He teaches us what love is. We don't get to say what love is or isn't. He teaches us to forgive. He teaches us how to work with integrity character, how to treat others, live a godly life, and on and on and on. He gives us the blueprint in the scriptures of how to live life. And this is why early on, when I was, uh, when, when the family and I were first married, I really had this time in my life, and I grew up going to church every week. 
and now being married, I felt like, you know, this weight of responsibility. Some of you guys understand that. And then we, 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 had, uh, we had Taylor and Tori was on the way. And I was feeling this sense that just, uh, you know, that, that a man as a person would say, you know, I, I need to blame Jesus for myself. I, I need to, why do I believe what I believe? Was it just stuff my mom and dad told me? Why do I believe that? Is it just what I've heard? Why, why do I believe what I believe? And so I went into a season of opening up the scriptures for myself because I, like mo- a lot of people, and, and I think that this is, a, this is, this is pervasive across the churches, we're, we're really biblically illiterate. We might have parts, and this doesn't mean we have to memorize all the whole Bible. But this is, it, we're, we're to dig in it and read it and meditate it and, and study it because Jesus is a piece of living word and it's more than just doing these studies and tapping this into head knowledge. It's not really head knowledge. It's to say God's transformed my heart. This is transformative knowledge that God wants to bring in that you know Him more and more. It's relational in nature. And so I begin to open scripture and, and, and just read for myself and say, God, why, why do I believe that there's these things that maybe God will begin to open my heart and my mind to you? Again, we're always going to be learning. We're not going to get to the top of the mountain here on the earth and go, well, I've learned it all. You get there, be careful. The Lord says, well, then you're ready to come up here because I can go ahead and take you out. Be a lifelong learner. And that's what it is. This discipline learning, a lifelong learner. <laughs> but we have, must have this word in our hearts here, reading it, meditating it, praying it into our studying it, allowing it to not us directly yet. And again, that's why uh, it's not the journey that tool we're going to be using. What I love about it is it just fills the scripture. He deals with these themes, but it's all the underlying scripture of about those themes. So it's just it's fantastic. And then Jesus ends the, the, um, the Great Commission with that, that um, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What is he saying? You're not going to do this alone. As you commit your lives completely to Jesus, following him, we're not alone. This Holy Spirit will come. Here's what Jesus in John chapter 14, John chapter 16, he said, the Holy Spirit comes to teach us, to counsel us, to reveal Jesus to our hearts, and that the Holy Spirit testifies to the truth. Well, Jesus is the truth. And so the Holy Spirit's going to testify to Christ in our hearts. He's going to convict us and empower us to be day-to-day disciples of Jesus. He gives us spiritual gift to reveal Christ to others in our world. And so he's saying, you won't be alone. And you can understand the disciples are probably reference, right? You're leaving, but you're saying, you won't be alone. And you know, they struggle with him leaving. You know, you can almost see that they're saying, please don't leave. But he says, it's good that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will come, and the Holy Spirit will say, you know, this is the Jesus faith of Christ. He came up, and the Holy Spirit went down, and, and the, the church received power, and now we are to go out, be disciples, and to make disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that was the great commission to all of us. And then Jesus on the earth, I'm going to look at this very quickly, this blueprint for discipleship. This is how he did it, as we see kind of how he modeled it for us. Listen to what they said. We're going to, we're going to focus in a lot more of this next week. But his was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he talked to brothers. Simon called Peter and the prayer, and they were casting a net into the lake, and they were fishing. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. He's inviting them to be a disciple. Notice what they did. And once they left their nets, he followed them. 
They didn't say, he didn't say, uh, hey, you guys, come over here and pray a prayer with me. Ask me into your heart, now you're good to go. They understood what he was saying. Then going out there, he called two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, son of Zebedee. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. This blueprint that we're going to unpack again. They knew what the invitation was to a long term lifestyle for the rest of their life. Jesus said, I'm going to come alongside you. We're going to do this together. We're going to grow. I'm going to help you grow. I'm going to help you understand me more clearly the ways of God, the kingdom of God, and He was going to pour His life into them. And there was times, remember, He would correct them, rebuke them, challenge them. But it was all out of this loving relationship with them. And so discipleship is this. It's a different mission for a good definition. Discipleship is a lifestyle call to daily surrender our lives to Jesus, be a disciplined learner, obey Him and His commands, and do this with others. Watch the movie. Right? This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's not a one-time shot. It's not say a prayer. It's not get baptized. All those good things aren't important. But this is saying, I'm going to commit to a lifestyle. A lifestyle of surrender my life to Jesus, be a disciplined learner, obeying this command, and do it with others. And so, it wasn't called to one time a day. It wasn't called just to show up on church, on church on Sunday. Because there is a, what Jesus was, was trying to do is he said, I want you to connect to me. I want you to connect to others. And that's why Paul would say, you're in the body of Christ. You're to function together. You're to do life together. And so, so many people think maybe discipleship is I ask you to my heart and I attend church on a regular basis each Sunday. No, it's doing life with having other people speak in your life, doing life together with each other. Even when we offend each other, even when we maybe get our feelings hurt, even when there's problems, we don't just rip apart. We say we do life together. We're committed to do life together. So Jesus calls first disciples to a radical, lifelong, everyday surrendered commitment to Him and in place of doing that together. And so, as your pastor here, if you attend church, if you're so strong, my, my, my heart for you is that you make a new, profound commitment today to be a disciple of Jesus. You may have to unlearn some things and relearn some things of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And, um, I'm telling you, that commitment will be to connect like connect to Him like never before, connect to others in the body of Christ, and then also to connect to the world through the gospel of Jesus. We're going to be launching some discipleship groups in the fall. I encourage you to get, be a part of one. Do it. Sign up. We're going to be doing probably some more life groups in the, in the, in the new year. Did I say fall? I just caught myself. Good to you, man. Because a lot of times I'm deep here and you go, you know, you said fall, right? Uh -huh. New year. New year. We're in the fall. In the new year, we're looking at launching some of these things and it becoming a part of the DNA of this church. And so I encourage you to pray, ask the Lord, what is God speaking to your heart today? And then obey it. Don't, don't just let him speak and then you ignore it. Obey what he's telling you. 
Will you stand with me? Jesus, thank you for your great commission, this charge that you have all authority and what you're calling us to do while we're on the earth. And that is, God, that we would be a disciple, first of all, that we would be lifelong discipline learners, surrendering our lives to you every day. And then, Lord, on this journey that we would come alongside others very intentionally, Lord, weekly, not just at church, but relationally connected to each other. Lord, I pray, God, that you would, as you're stirring our hearts, Lord, that we would be on mission with you each and every day, Lord, God, that we would love you with all of our hearts, all my history, that we would, Lord, follow you and that we would reveal you to our world. God, there's so many people that need Jesus in our world, and God, we want them not just to, Lord, they are going to, they may come in here looking for answers, but Lord, with our heart is that they just come in and simply pray a prayer. Our heart is that they come in and they become a lifelong follower of Jesus. Lord, teach us what that means for each of us. Help us to obey us. Help us to love you, God. Help us to obey the commission of Christ to go and make disciples of all people everywhere. Lord, help us to be intentional with our neighbors, God, to lovingly engage our neighbors. Lord, to lovingly engage people that maybe are not like us. Lord, that we would be on purpose with the gospel of Jesus so many people in the world. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.